What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Okay, you know, like at camps and stuff like this, you take the ball out. You ain't getting the ball back. <laughs> like, you the last one up the court. They already did their thing. So I stopped there, and I just got into a rhythm and started hooping. The Lakers should sign Trey Young this summer. They got to kind of start preparing for, like, if LeBron's last year is this year or next year, whenever it is. And I feel like a uh, pick and roll with AD and a guy like Trey Young would be deadly. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes' Be My Baby and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Got my Prevnar 20 shot. It's a pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. For us wise folks, it helps protect. I'm 19, strong. And asthmatic and at higher risk. Get vaccinated, but, but nothing when grandma speaks. Grandson listens. 19 or older with chronic conditions like asthma, diabetes, or chronic heart disease, or 65 plus, you may be at higher risk for pneumococcal pneumonia. Prevnar 20 can help protect you with just one dose. Prevnar 20 is approved for adults to help prevent infections from 20 strains of the bacteria that cause pneumococcal pneumonia. Continued approval may depend on a supportive study. Don't get Prevnar 20 if you've had a severe allergic reaction to the vaccine or its ingredients. Adults with weakened immune systems may have a lower response to the vaccine. Side effects include pain and swelling at the injection site, fatigue, headache, muscle, and joint pain. For full prescribing information, please call 1-855-213-2138 or visit Prevnar 20.com. Ask your doctor or pharmacist about getting vaccinated with Prevnar 20, even if you've already received another pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, exercise, and medication decisions. And all those decisions can lead to big results like more time in range and lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com. Welcome back, all the smoke. Jack has been a great run this week, and who better to close it out with than? I'm excited store. about this one, man. This is someone I looked up to for a long time. Uh, became friends, shit, maybe about ten years ago, twelve years ago, and uh, man, one of the greatest to ever do it. Legend. Welcome to the show, the legendary DJ Quick. We in the building. My God. 
don't be shy about sharing any kind of stories because I know you got so many motherfucking stories. So just don't be shy. Like I want to hear a couple. Like I ain't never told no one this. Yeah, I want to hear a couple of those. Rolled one up. Huh? <laughs> that was you would have rolled him one up. <laughs> I want to hear one of those. The truth serum. Yeah, I want to hear one. Of, I want to hear a lot Please. of those. Uh, man, we connected back. When did we 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 met? So when I was a Laker, I had a uh, a charity golf tournament, and I had him and John B. Come perform, and that shit was so I know, dope. That shit was right. That shit was so dope. And then we smoked all night, and then we've been cool ever since. Yes, sir. What's yes, up, man? What you been up to? Man, long nights, hmm. short days, studio. Yeah. I just did a rehearsal last night for my band, performing uh, Yoshi's tomorrow night, technically February, February 24th. So tomorrow night, I got, you know, kicking off my uh, touring year tomorrow. So. Okay. I was in there whipping everybody into shape. Uh, at this point, do you love performing as a rapper or back or, or or DJing? It's all the same. I mean, you know, I'm a DJ and a rapper. You know, I just learned the five elements of hip hop from Dougie Fresh uh, last week. What's that? Uh, it's DJing is number one. Two is the MC. Three is graffiti. Four is breakdancing, and fifth is the human beatbox. That's the so five I'm, elements I'm, of hip hop. Yeah, I was like, word. What's your break? <laughs> word out. <laughs> What's your breakdance game like? Uh, I'm all broken up. I can't do this shit. No <laughs> I'm all broken yeah. up. It's not gonna happen. So you talk about your tour uh, this summer. Where you, where where you be headed? Um, everywhere. All you over, know, huh? I've been. Yeah, this is gonna be a busy year for me on the road. Um, my agent is calling me every. You know. Every day, Sam, we just added another 10 shows. Mm. Ooh, um, and now I'm starting to look at it like, you know, first it was like, yeah, money, get the get go. And I was like, oh, more aspirin. <laughs> I'm sore. I'm, I'm yeah, hungover. This it's is long. Hung over. These long nights, bro, I can't do 16 hours no more. That's a long day for anybody. Uh, man, we going to get right to it, man. Top five, you're, you're top five producers in the game all the time. Producer, rapper combo, yeah. or just producer? We get both. Are there five? I know me, Dre, and Kanye. Okay, then go producer. Uh, producer, hip hop. Uh, Battle Cat is niche and very important. Um, and Marley Marl, DJ Marley Marl. A lot of people don't shout him out, but you know, all the making music with your mouth biz, you know, Eric B is president, most important hip hop records in my life. Mm hmm. Shout out to Marl. Born and raised in Compton. Yes, sir. Talk about you growing up in the in the, in the Compton. Man. Um, Compton was cool until crack came in. Mm. It became it became Beirut. Mm. It became Vietnam, bro. It was the most dangerous place in the world. I mean, how do you automatically be a target as soon as you come out of your house mm -hmm. because of where you live? Uh, that's why I got I got DJ equipment. And I stayed in the house just scratching and mixing and making tapes and getting drum machines and learning keyboards. You know, look, this, the ghost of Compton passed. <laughs> <laughs> he, he gonna get me. He's out. Get him. <laughs> He's talking. But, yeah, no, it just became pretty, like, it was surreal to the point to where either you stayed in the house or you joined a gang so you could go outside. And I didn't want, I didn't want no parts of it. I, I stayed with my music. And then got... Guilty by association for being in the industry, coming from Compton. It was like they automatically, I was a gangbanger. Like, I'm a DJ, bro. Mm -hmm. I like getting people together. I like seeing girls and guys dance. 
I see guys and girls dancing. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like on the floor. That's my thing. Yeah, Music so bring people the world together. show thought you was a gangbanger. Man, the the the, the I'm too smart to be a gangbanger. As a matter of fact, I often say I wouldn't have been a gangbanger. I would have ran the gang. Yeah, yeah. I would have been the leader. Yeah. But you know, <laughs> people say what they say. It was just it was it was um it was when it was good it was good. You know, it was a, a lot of happy times, a lot of cool times. Um, the art of the house party, mm. you know, was the thing. Like you know, who could throw the coolest house party? You know, before that got dangerous. It's, mm. it's almost like it became to a point where people was mad at you celebrating. Yeah. You know what I mean? They hated a party. Mm -hmm. Who hates a party? What kind right. of jealous, envy, weird shit is that? Mm -hmm. You know? But whatever. You know. Who are some of your early influences in music? Um, easily Curtis Mayfield, uh, Ohio Players. I always wanted my music to sound like Curtis Mayfield. Um, Ohio Players, uh, Parliament Funkadelic, Bootsy, mm -hmm. Roger Troutman is Zap. You know, all the fun music. Mm -hmm. All that loud slap. Clap if it had claps and slaps in it, and you know, funny vocals or some special effects. That was I loved it. I know you was a kid, so I know you wasn't doing music all the time. When you were, when you was away from away from music, what you was doing? I know you was a Laker fan. Oh yeah, of course. Who wasn't a Laker fan? Mm -hmm. um, I wasn't into sports, believe it or not. I, you know, there was people that made that their thing, and. I go out there, if I lost a game, I'd be mad, ready to kick the ball over on, on the schoolhouse roof. <laughs> you know what I mean? I was one of them dudes. I didn't get into that, into sports until after I blew up and started playing like little celebrity basketball games. So, mm -hmm. you know, homies were showing me little techniques out of, you know, <laughs> out of the ball. I'm like, stop looking at the ball when you dribble. <laughs> I was that guy. Well, make sure it don't go nowhere. Like, yeah, right? I got to a point to where... It started, something started happening. I started busting niggas' asses on celebrity basketball games. It got fun. So I broke my fingers. <laughs> Same here. Ouch. Ouch. Mm -hmm. Ball crush your shit. Fuck me. I'm like, back to piano. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you ain't gonna break your fingers there. Yeah, man. Talk about um, how important your mom is to you and, uh, and to your career. You know, you talk about, you told a story about how she kept you home the night of the Tyson fight. Um, yeah, the, uh, you know, the the big bad death row guys came to my house to, you know, get me to go to the fight. And I didn't want to go. I just felt something. It was like instinct. Mm -hmm. I went to the studio. They So they at my house, knocking on the door, tell moms, you know, hey, we know he in there. Tell him should want him to come to the fight. Tell him to bring his bitch ass outside. He, you know, ooh, wham, they should talk. So disrespectful. My mom said, if y'all don't unask that door, I'm going to have the police in here in like five minutes. <laughs> she, she, she wasn't having it. And I wasn't even there. She's like, you know, she's mom with the finger. You know what I mean? And sure enough, that was the night that Tupac got killed. Mm. She, you know, you can't, them old Creole women, they know too much. Mm -hmm. They instinct, they instinct. They, they get the, they know. They just feel it. Yeah, they just, it's a gut feeling for them. She always told me, follow your first mind. Yeah, that was, uh, and I'm naming my album after, like, the uh, new album is called Cusick. Quotations, my mama was a pimp. <laughs> <laughs> Motherfucking right. <laughs> oh, shit. Early 90s, uh, hip-hop was all over the place. Yeah. Uh, did you know that when you were creating your sound that it would be a sound that lasts and stand the test of time? Uh... No, I didn't, honestly. I was just doing it as a means to an end. I just wanted a car. 
you know, on a Jetta and put some rims on it. <laughs> he said he wanted to put a some Jetta. rims on a Jetta. A Jetta. <laughs> that was it. What low, color? Low ambitions. Gold. I bought a gold Jetta. Oh, you did? GLI. It? Yep. That was, I got it. Like killing that's all, it. That's all I wanted. I thought, you know, this album gonna sell about a thousand copies. Cause I got out of the we were talking about this last night, me and Exhibit and a problem. How, you know, I was selling cassettes. Like I got out of the whole dope game, trying to hustle, you know, crack or whatnot. It's like this this ain't for me. I don't like doing this to my people. So I turned that hustle into making cassettes and music and selling them, you know, hand to hand. And it just it overwhelmed me. The people really wanted these cassettes. I was personalizing them, putting certain people's names in them. And they'd be like, let me buy the whole box. So mm -hmm. I got to sit up here and make duplicates of cassettes. I'm like, I ain't cut off of this. You know, I sell 100 cassettes. I'm tired. Even though I made money off of them, I'm like, you know. That's I, real work back then. Yeah, oh, my God. I need a deal. Somebody <laughs> else got to do this. Because I had a demand. People was buying my cassettes, and people was telling me that, hey, man, you got your people playing your music in Salt Lake City. I'm like, get the fuck out of here. Where is Salt Lake City? <laughs> Where is you know that? What I mean? Exactly. But it, the cassette just started moving across the state lines by itself. People was dubbing it and passing it on. And before you know it, I had a little reputation with the little cassettes. Then I did this one called The Red Tape with my boy Second and None and AMG. Mm -hmm. And it blew. Mm -hmm. So I was selling a bunch of them. I was handwriting all of them. Like, we had no distributors. So I go buy the blank cassettes, get this duplication machine, and just run them off and put the little sticker on them and write our names on it. You know, didn't know about stamping and, you know, mm -hmm. print and press all that. We, we was just doing it by, hand by hand, you know, hand to hand. And, um, you know, I ended up buying all the equipment that I wanted, and it was cool, but I, I, I didn't know it was going. I didn't know I was going to go platinum. Mm -hmm. I'm like, you know, people like it. Um, but then I started writing songs about everything we was experiencing. So I was just a voice of us, mm -hmm. us being the youth, us being who we were at that time. Mm -hmm. And it resonated with a lot of people. Songs like Tonight, Sweet Black Pussy, mm -hmm. you know, Born and Raised in Compton. Them songs, it made sense. People could relate. Mm -hmm. And um, so past a little thousand copies, uh, um, one of my homeboys used to work at uh, the Warehouse Records in uh, Inglewood. And my my record debuted on Jan what, January 7th, um, 1991. So we called up there to see how I was doing. He said, bro, you sold out. He said, you sold out. All your albums sold out in one day. Mm. Like, we got to order again. I was like, okay, mm. all right. So they they you know, they telling me like, dude, you nominated for American Music Award. I got to meet Dick Clark. Nominated for American Music Award on my first single. Shot a cool video. You know what I mean? How old are you at this point? Uh, twenty. Mm, fresh twenty. So it was a uh, it, it was it was a lot to take in, bro. But you know, my thing is, I, I just wanted to be DJ quick. I wanted to be behind the scenes, mm -hmm. just DJ for like Penthouse Players Click and Second and None and AMG and whatnot. And they just kept pushing me out front. It's like. Whatever, you know, it, it was, the anxiety it, it that comes with talent. that shit. A lot of people don't know. It's like, you know, I, I produced like three albums, albums in my first year, you know, as a debut artist. I was, I stayed in the studio. I missed, you know, I missed a lot of touring because I just wanted to stay in the studio and just keep hashing out, you know, keep creating the sound, mm -hmm. you know. So. As, as best as you can, because this is one of my favorite songs too. Can you take, uh, take us like, to the studio with you, making tonight the night you made this, this song. Like, what was what was the vibe like in the studio that night? Dope. It was um, I did it at a house, uh, two thousand one, Browning Browning Avenue in L. A. Like, the the whole scene looked like the Boys in the Hood movie. Mm -hmm. It was that kind of house mm -hmm. in a little kitchen nook. Um, SP twelve hundred. I was producing uh, my boy Player Ham at the time, and 
you know, I sampled that beat. One of the um, one of the homies brought the album over, and I remembered that that clear album, but it was just hard to find at that point. Somebody found it, let me use it. I sampled it and just kept looping it, and um, you know, did the drums to it, and just kind of let it just. You know, back then we let the beat just run for like a whole day. Yeah, hear it in the background <laughs> till it gets up. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, till you hear till you hear some inspiration. Um, at this time, I'm 19, and we experimenting with you know eight ball, old English 800, and <laughs> weed, and we shooting dice and stuff. So I'm like, this is what is this is was was fun. So I just started writing about that shit, right? And um, during the um, the writing of it. I came up with the hook, I, you know. I, I, you know, I'm playing records. I'm just using what I got, basically. And I had a, you know, Betty Wright record. Tonight is the night, so I sampled it tonight and scratch it. And tonight is the night. Spin it back, you know. Keep working on it until it's on beat. And um, third verse is open. Uh, Player Ham didn't want to get on it. It was like, go ahead and finish it. That's you. Um, so the homie Shaney comes over with some gin, and this is before you know I was drinking hard liquor. It was just you know a beer at that point. My man was like, boom, like, you know, poured a big bumpy face with the super saco. We drinking it, drinking it, drinking it. I'm like, man, this is bomb. You know, this is before I knew, you know, <laughs> there's a limit. It's like, it's so, it's sweet, good. I'm going to be all right. Bad news. Man, too good. Hit it again. And I start spinning, start tripping. They said, you know, that you know, homies have to tell you what you was doing last night. You was mm -hmm. like, I did what? Yeah. I did what? You know, that shit. To you. <laughs> he just had one of those last That's, night. Yeah, thanks to Jelani, dog. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, the next day, I'm like, oh, man, I got the flu. I thought I had the flu. It was a hangover. <laughs> like, what the fuck is this? We had to go in there and hug that toilet and get mm. rid of that shit. Like, and I was like, I ain't never drinking again, ever. I was cool. I, and I didn't for a while, but that ended up being the last verse. I just wrote it. Still, like, hungover. Wrote that shit. I just, it was like I documented it right there. As soon as they come, we're doing the same old thing tonight. And that's what happened. My man <laughs> was like, it was like, well, you got you to gotta get your um, your tolerance up. Tolerance? What are these words y'all talking about? <laughs> you know what I mean? So That's funny. That's, that was the story. I ended up recording the song, put it on the mixtape, and everybody loved it. You know? So and it was dirty. It had real hood references, you know, because I was grimy back then. I was mm -hmm. mentioning all the niggas with their surnames, if they had blood in their name, crip in their name, you know, mm -hmm. this nigga Loke and all this. I was just putting <laughs> their whole name in it, like yeah. keeping it real. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> so I had to clean that shit up for the radio, and I did. I just switched it right over. How did you, you know? come up with the name Quick DJ Quick? Um, it was DJ Quick Mix at first because I was used Quick to Mix. Quick Mix. And uh, this girl started calling me Cake Mix, jamming, going, took it, took it, DJ Cake Mix. I'm like, bitch. <laughs> Fuck you. I dumped her after I fucked her a couple of times. I was mad. And I just shortened that shit. Fuck it. Ain't nobody going to call me that. You, oh, shit. shit. I dropped the M-I-X-X. -X. It was over. I just quit. And it really happened. Uh... Um, but yeah, it was, you know, I used to blend records real quick, and I was happy about that. Like, I learned to get, you know, my little turntable skills is up there, so, you know. You got a, such a unique sound. Uh, when did you really feel like you found your sound? Um, on my third album, basically. Um, Safe and Sound. I was like, my shit is just funk, jazz, and high-pitched rapping. <laughs> Young voice over this shit. That's what it was to me. So, um, the first album is Everybody Says They Favorite. I'm glad 
for that album. I mean, my debut album went platinum, which was rare back then. Mm -hmm. Like, who goes? You have to cross over to go platinum. I mean, Maze wasn't just going platinum like that, even though everybody knew their music. So I, I crossed over a little bit. You know what I mean? Um, but it was definitely the third album, and then the fourth album when I met Elder Barge, I just wanted to experiment and you know try different stuff. You know, so rhythmism was experimental, but it was really safe and sound. I got a chance to just stretch out in the studio, have fun, rap, get anybody who I wanted on there. At that point, you know, it was like when you get your first gold plaque, your first platinum plaque, it's like life changes. Mm. You know, I got got a chance to buy every piece of equipment that I wanted, every motorcycle I ever wanted, dirt bike when I was a kid, every RC. It was like I got the grown. Did all the, all yeah, the kids got grown and got all the shit, shit that I wanted as a kid. That was that was fun until my badass nephews came and destroyed all that shit. But <laughs> that's how it happens. Nephew. You know what I'm saying? You know, niggas, they tear up shit when it ain't theirs. So but, uh, there's a rumor that your first project, Quick as the Name, you, you, you put that together pretty fast. What was that process like? Um, living at, living with the homeboys player ham now, we was just, I was just sampling everything that I wanted to sample. Like, you know, putting everything in the drum machine, um, recording, learning how to record, overdub, like all self-taught, you know what I mean? Um, and it became, I, I got into the habit of it, you know, I didn't realize I was just being OCD about it, but now, you know, there's a word for it. I was just like, it's gotta be perfect. It's gotta be perfect. So I spent a lot of time you know, making records perfect and then trying to follow that pattern to keep making records as perfect as I could, you know. But, yeah, it didn't take no time to do that album. As, as a matter of fact, I got the record deal before the album was even done, and I was the first million-dollar signing of any hip-hop artist in history. Like, I broke the, the million-dollar mark, you know what I mean, which was fucking epic to me, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, I mean, you know, to go from making 200 fucking dollars, bro, a week... To fucking ten thousand dollars a night on stage, mm. it's just I got addicted to making more records. I wanted mm -hmm. I wanted that to never stop because I was like, you know, I knew big thing that this shit ain't gonna last forever. So let me hit strike while the iron is hot. Keep going. Ice Cube kept his foot on everybody's neck with these dope records. I'm competing with Ice Cube for radio spots and touring and stuff, and then I'm helping him tour. We like doing tour support for Cube and America's Most Wanted record. It was it was amazing, bro. I was I kept trying to take equipment on the road, but you know, the road is hard. So it was destroying all my shit. And I never could balance that. I don't think anybody can balance recording and touring at the same time where you just go from the show right to a studio. It's like, it's two different mindsets. That's one thing I can never do. I regret, you know, but it's tough. But uh, hey, it was it was fun back then, man. I had I had legs for it. <laughs> now, I ain't, all that, I ain't got all that energy. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm still reeling from a 14-hour session last night. Like this, this all shit, all this shit right now seems like a dream to me. Motherfuckers is all just. I hit him on Facetime earlier. He didn't put. Matt, what's up? I was like, oh, <laughs> you had a long night, huh, bro? He's like, can we push it back a little? Yeah, come on, quick. You know we got you. Come on, man. Just yeah, we know it. we got you. Get a couple yeah, more hours of sleep. I put that little <laughs> eye patch on. Shit, I'm like, fuck. Take <laughs> man now too. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? But yeah, no, man. Thank you for having me, man. You know I'm a fan of all the smoke. I love all y'all. Met y'all gave me one of the. Best interviews ever when y'all did Magic Johnson, bro. Man, you made that. That was an epic night, though. Yeah, you made, you that, made that, that epic that night, night too. man. Come on, you was out oh. there DJing, man. That was such a special night. But, you know, I just tried to put it together and always appreciate, I mean, to, to get one legend in, in the sports realm and then get a, a legend from L.A. in the music oh, yeah. realm. That was a, it was a beautiful night.
Yeah, man. We it appreciate you. Pretty incredible. Yeah. So y'all want to hear some stories that y'all never heard before? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes. <laughs> um, you know, well, I guess I could talk about some of this stuff now. You know, I was the kind of guy who was into, like, love. I've listened to Luther Vandross records and all this shit. You know what I mean? And that's that's what I wanted. That You know, you know, a, a, a relationship, a girl, white picket fence. You know what I mean? Until I got my heart broke. <laughs> right? So I was like, fuck these bitches. <laughs> I'm crying and shit all day long and shit. Soaking up pillows. The homeboy was like... Player, you just have to meet somebody else. There's plenty of fish in the sea. I'm like, man, fuck, how could the fuck could she do that shit to me? My nigga introduced me to somebody that night. I was like, okay, she's fine too. <laughs> man, so I became a player. That's officially when it started? Yeah. Got my heart broke. I'm like, I can't deal with that. That shit, that's the worst pain ever. <laughs> that ain't for me. I ain't going through that. Exactly. I'm like, I ain't that ugly shit. It ain't be breaking my heart. So, <laughs> bro, I, um... <laughs> you know, we start having like some little fun times and, you know, it was like what was fucked up is right when I come of age, right when, we, you know, I'm not a virgin no more. Like it's going to go down. I'm going to have a ball. Nigga, HIV just hit the news. Mm. It's like, what the fuck is that? Fuck scared the fuck out of everybody. Niggas like, oh, man, you mean you could just die after having sex with a girl? It's like, no, nah, I was Mr. Condom Man. But when that fucking record came out. It was tough to put on that many condoms? No. We just went to fucking, um, what was it back then? Right Aid? Was it Right Aid or Thrifties? We'd go to Thrifties and buy big-ass boxes of Trojans, right? Keep them on the tour bus. But these, the niggas I was touring with, they was heating this. Was, <clears throat> these motherfuckers was like three, four girls a night. I'm like, well, man. Then I fell into it. We fucking three and four girls a night, for real. Like, <laughs> rotating these bitches. They're blood In the tour bus. Yeah, they terrible influences. <laughs> Nigga, we on the tour bus. We backstage. I was even... I was performing in Houston one night, hooked up with a little chick and shit, and, you know, Tevin Campbell's out performing, and I misjudged the time and shit, so I'm in the in the uh, green room. Getting, getting it in. green, right? It's <laughs> <laughs> like, hey, you know what I'm saying? I'm in full stroke, man. They like, coming to the stage right now, legend from Compton, California. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Give it up for DJ, quick. <laughs> Pulling my clothes up and shit, wrinkled and shit, wet. You probably performed with the nasty. condom on, not even know. <laughs> Na niggas, niggas do nasty shit, okay? I'm like busted. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was yeah, it was it was a lot of that though, man. Like shit, all the stories you heard about Easy E, girls was on it, man. It was, it was pretty girls too. Like, it was a different mm. time, too, because you didn't really have to worry about the cameras and everybody being on your business. Nope. It was just did what you wanted to do. No, it was just a word against hers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it wasn't no cameras and none of that back then. It was, mm. you know, just young, fun, wild shit, but uh, it was a lot of young, fun, wild shit going on. As it should be. You know, I eventually um, grew out of it. What 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 effect did NWA have on Compton and and the West Coast from your opinion. Oh, man, they, it, to see their name on a record, first of all, a record album and a cover, that shit is just unreachable. Like, nobody's going to be like this. We ain't never, this ain't going to never happen for us. But to see made, you know, distributed by Ruthless Records, Compton, California, it's like, and these records are selling. These records is, you know, we we subscribe to that shit. And it made it to where we. I felt like I could make it too. Mm. He's, he 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 did something, bro. And then to end up being friends with him, and he coming to my house, and I'm going to his house. It was just you know, it was unreal, bro. I'm like any easy Charlie in the Chocolate Factory, bro. It's like yeah, man. He used to kick it, bro. We used to kick it tough, you know. He used to like my sister. 
They used to hang out a little bit. Um, he took me to Guns N' Roses concert, my first rock and roll concert at the Forum. And I'm running around looking for him, like, where he go? Where he go? I go in the bathroom. He in there with a blonde chick on the toilet, like, get, come on in here quick, man. <laughs> you missing it. You hear his voice? <laughs> man, telling you. It's like, <laughs> come on in. It's like, man, I'm too scared. I don't want my booty out in public, bro. Like, <laughs> I know. Quick, it's fun, nigga. Get in here. <laughs> he, scared, he was boss. living, man. You know? Yeah, well, we used to hang out a lot, man. He used to come to the studio. He signed my group. So I'm always in the studio with him. I took all that shit for granted. He would always bring his fancy new sports cars to the studio and just blow our heads off with this shit like, come on, get in the car, man. Check this out. <laughs> my dumb ass get in the car. And I'm like, like a fucking Gran Turismo. This nigga had an 850. They were popular. Anybody even knew what it was. He had the little, the Z, the 350Z. He loved speed, bro. Fly dude, man. No, mm -hmm. Nobody was flyer than him. I mm -hmm. mean, just... Sharp, smart, and just fly. All the ladies loved him. You know what I mean? Period. You know. Missed that guy, man. That, that, mm, the fun died when he died, bro. Mm. Yeah. Mm. yeah. You know, it got weird. Yeah. What's the disadvantages and advantage of being an artist and a producer? Um, I don't really see the disadvantages. I mean, the advantage is, is that you get a bigger piece of the pie mm -hmm. when you do everything. Mm -hmm. That's what my thing was. It's like... I want the lion's share. I want, you know. And splitting it up. Splitting no money, mm -hmm. man. I mean, shit. I want it all. You know, and sometimes when you do all of it, the, the disadvantage is you could get burnt out too because it's, there's no input from nobody else. Sometimes you run out of fresh ideas. So, you know, I've had that happen where, you know, I was just doing an album for the sake of doing the album. And that's, that's no good. You got to still have some motivation, something to drive you, and something to say at the same time. So I guess there is a disadvantage. I just fucking <laughs> just contradicted myself. So, yeah, there is a disadvantage, and that's that's it, if anything, where, you know, you can get bullheaded and don't let nobody else in, and, and the shit don't sell as much as you think. And, you know, I, I deserve to, you know, just got to keep an open mind about it and then delegate, you know, um, tasks and chores to other people and make it make sense. Roger Troutman. Man, the God, yeah, my brother, that. man. Coolest man in the world. Y'all don't understand, man. So talented. He could just, he, he was so talented that I called him crazy one time. Like, you know, and that's a compliment. His brother Larry got mad at me. He said, he ain't fucking crazy. What are you talking about? I'm like, no, you don't understand what I'm saying. Like, he's so talented, bro. He's like, fuck that. Come on, let's go, Roger. Let's go. He's like, no, man, I want to stay and chill with the brothers, man. I'm kicking with the brothers. So... We were, um, we did a couple of shows together. He came to my dressing room, and me and my guitar player was in there, Robert Bacon, at the same time. And I thought Robert, Rob is the greatest guitar player ever. My man came in there and started talking to us and was playing a Gibson. And he was playing, like, uh, 2001 Space Odyssey on it while he was talking to us, right? I'm saying, right? Like, he's playing how you feel while you're talking to us. a field conversation while he's doing it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So me and Bacon is like, we sitting up there like, what the fuck is this? So then he took the guitar and put it in Bacon's hand, and Bacon started playing it. And I was like, damn, this nigga just showed Bacon up. Like, he really is the greatest guitar player there mm. is, right? So cool. He'd be talking like Daffy Duck, you know, to loosen up the tension if niggas was, you know, you know, a little trepidation about, you know, the show taking too long or, you know, people on He'd be, he's just... 
just the coolest human being ever. And the talent, just the way he made music, he called them curly cues, the way he bent notes, like when he would do the talk box or play guitar, like the guitar on computer love. Like, nobody can do that shit. Nobody. You know, and and trust me, that loss was felt. When he, I got the news that he he, he died, this was just after we just did, you know, Tupac's album. And we were just in the studio, like, few years before that it was it let me know that the world is really fucked up like for the the fact that his brother didn't let him stretch out or whatever his bro was going through or it was you know money debt whatever we ended up learning it was you know he was just in debt he could have let roger live bro to to, to expand and it would have got right back on track because we was giving roger whatever he wanted for songs mm-hmm. be on our, you know we had it the record company was gonna pay for it anyway he's making like 40 grand 35 40 grand to just spot on your record after having a, a dry spell, you know, with the Roger Drummond and Zap stuff, you know, we just, we reinvigorated him. California Love, shot mm-hmm. to the top of the charts. He, he was dope in the video. Like, man, it's, it's just go by so fast, bro, mm-hmm. this fucking hip hop shit. Before you know it, look, I'm 32 years in and have seen everything, bro, but the, the tragedy of him dying, it made it unfun for me to do talk box because it just reminds me of him too much. So I don't really do it no more. And how did he pass? Uh, his brother killed him, shot him. And, um, studio argument, you know what I mean, in Ohio, in hometown. Brought him out to the car. They out in the car talking, and he just whipped out on him and just started shooting him. And Roger lived. He lived. Um, he lived. He crawled out of the car. He shot him one more time. Then he drove down the street, shot himself. And Roger, they got Roger to the hospital. He died in, in uh, operating, on an operating table. And... Um, Damn. It's like one person who didn't deserve that. Mm-hmm. This guy, he was just too nice for that. Like, you, you know, you never know what people are going through and what, how, you know, when they snap. Yeah. One bad thing about the business is like, you know, just it's dangerous too. That's mm-hmm. why niggas need security all the time. It's crazy. Yeah, that hurt. Are you all about the NBA action? You've got to try Pick 6, the newest fantasy app from DraftKings, an official partner of the NBA. Right now, new customers can earn a 100% instant deposit matchup to $100 in Pick 6 credits when you deposit $5 or more. Getting started is simple. Just download the DraftKings Pick 6 app and sign up with code ATS. Pick at least two players and choose if they'll have more or less of a stat. Like will they score more or less than 30 points? Or have more or less than 8 assists? Lock them in and compete against others for a shot at huge cash prizes. Download the DraftKings Pick 6 app now and get started with code ATS. New customers can earn a 100% instant deposit matchup to $100 in Pick 6 credits when you deposit $5 or more. Only on DraftKings Pick 6 with code ATS. The crown is yours. One offer per new customer. Minimum $5 deposit to receive a match of up to $100 in Pick 6 credits. Non-withdrawable and valid for Pick 6 use only. Expire after 180 days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. 18 plus in most eligible states. Age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. Pick 6 not available in all states. For up-to-date list of states, visit dkng.co slash pick 6 states. Void where prohibited? See terms at pick6.draftkings.com slash promos. 
Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbionica is your solution to great-tasting, all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or toxins. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbiotica.com. C-Y-M-B-I-O. T-I-K-A dot com. Death Row Times. Yeah, man. You were on the ground floor building with Death Row. Mm-hmm. Um, what were those times like? Um, sometimes it was cool, and then it just became the streets. All the stuff that I got away from, all the gangbanging and all of that, just met me right there head on at the office. You know, it was like, it was hood shit, and you had to kind of be hood to deal with it because they were in there, them, them niggas was detecting fear. They just wanted to see if you was scared, you know, mm-hmm. if they could make you feel some kind of way. It's like that that energy doesn't go with making, with writing songs. Songwriting right. is, a, is a beautiful process, you know what I mean? And it's a lot of thought involved. You got guys in here gangbanging and shit and threatening you, you know what I mean, and saying crazy shit. It was just, it was, man, it was, it was dangerous, and it didn't have to be. Because it was the greatest record company at one point mm-hmm. in the world. It was going. It was going to be the biggest thing in in the game, but just just the ego of the, the you know the boss, you know, and you never wanted to get on nobody's bad side. It was like it was just walking like walking on eggshells all the time. A bunch of anxiety, you know, bunch of nervousness, a bunch of you know people in there playing like they tough just so they don't get punked. And it's like that that wasn't that wasn't it. I signed up for some bullshit when I went in there. I'm like, why did I even come over here? I got my own shit. I got my own label. You know, I got my own um, record company and whatnot. Um, but again, sometimes it was cool. Like when when Pac came through, that was that was that was dope. You know, what I mean, being in there watching. You know, I used to go to the studio when Dre was working on uh, Doggy Style, just letting us hear snippets of it. And I'm just sitting there with my wig blown back at just the, the quality of this shit, man. 
going on Larrabee. Like, Dre called me up there. They giving me cassettes of The Chronic before it came out. So I'm rolling around with The Chronic in my car, and everybody's like, what is it? You know, you, you're the man when you got some shit like that. Straight out the, you know, straight out the motherfucking building. Um, and I didn't know that The Chronic was going to be that, but it did. It ended up becoming a fucking juggernaut of hip-hop. Um, but it just seemed like Suge just got, he just, he's not, he just went left on everybody, bro. You know, threatening niggas, punching niggas, beating up niggas. It's like, I ain't come here to be no punching bag, y'all. No mm. bounce. Mm. What was it like working with Tupac and, and, and what was his driving mentality in, in when it, when it was came to work? Like, um, Tupac was, he was incensed. Like, it was almost like, you know, before he went to jail versus after he got out of jail, he always felt like, you could tell, he, he never got comfortable. Like, it was like he was on borrowed time the whole time. And he didn't really stop to enjoy, like, mm -hmm. as we say, like, take the time, smell the flowers. He didn't stop to enjoy what we was doing for him. You know what I mean? Like, bro, we finna write the best record of your life, my nigga. I put my album to the side and just start working on his shit, giving him tracks that I was gonna use, you know, Hearts of Men and shit. Mm -hmm. And um, he would come wipe that shit down real quick, like, just a cool dude, come on, you know, we share a blunt. He's writing, writing perfect, and running there and rap the shit. And it was like, quick, you gonna put the hook in there, right? Yeah, I got, I'm gonna scratch the hook. He was like, all right, I'm done. I'm like, ain't nothing else we can do, bro. You know what I mean? He, all right, I'll see you in a minute. He leave out the studio, walk right out the door, boom. Go around to Studio B, start working with Johnny J. Go in there and do how do you want it. Dre sent me the dad of California love. Like, let me see, see what this sound like up front. Like, California love. I'm like, God damn it. Mm. Fucking amazing. I'm getting chills thinking about that shit, bro. Then he'll come back in there with me and we'll do another song. And then he, the same thing. He was just, who, who can do that? Who can do that? I've never seen nobody work like that before. That work ethic was, it was it was fucking amazing. I actually miss it. Nobody really works like that no more. Mm, the grind, huh? Yeah, it was, it was, it just, it's, like I said, he just it seemed like he was on borrowed time. He didn't, he didn't even stop to relax and enjoy that shit. What about outside the studio? Outside the studio, he was a jokester, bro. Comedy, bagging on niggas, joking, you know, fun. We toured together a little bit. Um, he got in my ass one time, too. We were about to get into a fight because he thought I was still in his stage show, like where he would rap and then jump up on the speakers. And I had to tell him, bro, I got that off Bobby Brown, my nigga, off the fucking My Prerogative <laughs> shit, bro, that tour. I didn't get that from you, bro. Niggas been doing that. That's my shit. Tell him to stop stealing my motherfucking show. Come here, quick. Holla at you. You know what I mean? Like, man, I'm not stealing this show. What's happening, man? He, this nigga hot. He ready to fight. So instead of us fighting, we went in the weight room and just start lifting weights and shit. You know what I'm saying? Hard <laughs> as a motherfucker, huh? You know what I'm saying? Just go in there. Lock it up, dog. <laughs> Get it in. Put some on it. So we just, you know, that's how we got it. That's how we eased on by that. We just in there lifting. Then go in there and make some more music. And he just, I don't know, man, he was, he, was, he was a leader, but it's like they wouldn't let him lead. You know what I mean? He should have he got an office or something at death row and put, put all his guys on. You know, he shouldn't have been just out just kicking it and, like, you know, thinking the world was just easy like that, man. You know what I mean? You know, you run up on the wrong dudes, man. Niggas, mm -hmm. it ain't worth nothing to them. Mm -mm. You know? And uh, we all know how that ended. No. But I felt it. I felt it. Like something is not right. Something's something finna go down. I'm gonna ease on back. Cause it was just, it was building. You could just feel it building. Then they start dissing. They 
it was times when the fucking media, Double XL, Vibe Magazine would come to the studio and I, to talk to him, and I would stand outside and talk to him. I'm like, no, interview me. Now, we want to talk to Pac. Ooh, wham. I'm like, y'all, you guys are instigating all this shit. Mm -hmm. Every time y'all say something to him, y'all know he's going to be real. You know what I mean? So I, I suggest y'all not. I used to be out there. You know, I got an album coming out. Ooh, wham. They want to talk to me. They wanted to keep keep that shit keep going because they uh -huh. were selling magazines and I knew mm -hmm. it. And I'm telling them like, bro, don't bite. Don't bite. They got me like that. And then they're going to turn around and diss us anyway. You ain't never going to get a five-star album or five micer. You know what I mean? I knew it. Because I've been through the politics of it, just the whole, the, you know, the way the East was getting down at that at that time. And it was really just about selling source, selling the source magazine. That was the news. And um, I was right. I'm like, they're going to end up causing somebody to get killed, bro. Keep printing shit out. Because I'm reading it, and it's like, you're reading that shit, and it's like, there's anxiety in that reading. It's mm. like, God damn, you can feel the the vitriol in that shit. And, I, you know, be, but, but nobody listening to me. I'm like, bro, this is dangerous, man. Keep the media out of here. You know, and uh, tr true enough, magazines come out. These niggas dissing Biggie and Biggie them shooting the vibe, but put out their shit East versus West. It's like, oh, it's it's over. Mm. This is this now is beyond anybody's control. It's just it's a fire. Mm -hmm. It's like now get out. Fire extinguisher ain't gonna work. And I just start backing away from it, bro. And they kept trying to drag me back into it. I don't want to do this. I don't want to go to the hood parties. I'm not going to no picnic. I'll shoot a video or whatever, but. You know, Jodeci was around and shit. Like, it was it was dope when it was dope. Mary J. Blige, Danny Boy, all these fly motherfuckers is around. But it was still just some negative energy to just, just brewing, bro. And it was going to ultimately bust, and it did. Mm -hmm. What was uh, For you as someone who was just, uh, you know, uh, a student of music and, and studied a lot of different crafts, what was it like with the beef from the... When you guys were beefing, or when they were beefing with the East Coast? I mean, were you fans of any of the, the people they were... You know, not fucking with at the time. How'd that work? It it didn't. I, um, when we did the Source Awards um, at Madison Square Garden, right? Um, the tension was in the air. It was you could cut it with a knife, boss. My thing was, if they don't have a problem with me personally, I'm cool. I wasn't in no gang, and I was. We was always trying to explain to people like I got into it with Bone Thugs and Harmony because they thought I was dissing Easy E because I was on Death Row. I'm like Death Row is. It's a bunch of different factions at Death Row, a bunch of whole different, you know, things. And we just trying to sell records, the most records we can. I ain't got no problem with you or Eric. Eric was my boy. Um, and when we performed that that the, the jail scene, the famous jail scene, mm -hmm. I looked in the audience and I had met Biggie already at um at 92.3 the beat. Um, when I used to be up there all the time with Theo. And he was cool. He didn't say much to me. He was a quiet dude. You know, because he didn't know what was going on. I was just made him, you know, I'm like, bro, don't worry about that shit, man. We, I'm not down with that shit. You know, you can relax. I was with Craig Mack and him. Craig Mack was my boy. We used to tour with uh, Eric Sermon and whatnot, EPMD. So Craig introduced me to him, and I just made him feel good. Like, bro, you ain't got to worry about shit. Um, so when I'm performing my part of that show, Biggie and Faith is in front row, and they bop into my shit. I didn't mm. think they liked my music. <laughs> so I was just like, oh, fuck yeah, dude. You know what I'm saying? Fuck yeah. Big like my shit. It was cool. I was cool with that because Big was hard. Yeah, he was fucked. Dope. Like, mm -hmm. you can't take that away. From, talent is talent. Seriously. He had something that nobody have. It was it was very unique and singular to him. But when I seen him grooving off my shit, it was cool. And um, 20 minutes later, Shug got up there and said what he said. 
And we all had this, me and Nate Dog stood up because we getting scowled at from everybody. Like, they was ready to tear our heads off. And they said, said, well, if you don't, you know, we just stood back to back. He said, if you don't let nobody hit me in the back of my head, I'm going to let nobody hit you in the back of your head. Mm. So me and him just stood there like this. Like, pfft. then we ended up getting rushed out of there. Um, and going out to the back, and I remember seeing Flavor Flav and them like, yo, man, that was foul, man, what your mans did. That was foul, right? I'm like, yeah, it was kind of fucked up. Um, <laughs> it was kind of fucked up. <laughs> it was, was, was kind of whack. Uh, who else was out there? Um, not Nick Van Axel. What was it? What was my man's name? Uh, one, he was a celebrity. He was a basketball player. He came out. We was chopping it up for a minute. It was just like the energy in the room, just the whole building just changed. And that's when, you know, Snoop got up there and tried to do damage control. But it was already like the... The, the the bomb was lit. It's like, damn, Shug, at least warn us if you're going to do that shit, man. Let us prepare for this shit. Like, you just you just threw a grenade in the house at, with all of us in it. At the garden. At M MSG. In MSG. Fucking unreal, bro. Like, you know, mistakes were made. I'm going to just say that, you know, in hindsight, being 2020, you know, things I would have did different, yeah. I, I got out of that safe? Huh? I got out of that safe. Uh, Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we had to, you know, we had to split. You know, got back to the hotel and it was like, man, let's get the fuck home for yeah. it. Niggas kill us before we get to the motherfucking airport. But um, yeah, man, again, mistakes were made, man. In hindsight, you know, I just wish we could have did it longer. It just it was it, it was Fast, too short. Right? Yeah, it was just okay. too fucking short. How you go from? I'm going platinum in 1992, right? I get up on in 91, 96. Pog dies. Five fucking funky ass years. Pog died. My music changed. I started to steer away from the hood shit, the hot shit, you know, and start trying to like tone it down, you know, and be safe and all that. It's like, no, we don't expect that from you. We want the raw shit from you. It's like, all right, whatever. And then 98, I had a big tragedy in my life where my nephew killed my motherfucking um, my manager and shit in my studio, and that just fucked my head up. And it was like, man, fuck this music shit, bro. This this shit makes everybody around us crazy. We cool, but this money drives, mm. our money drives them nuts. Yeah, mm. yeah. The fuck is that? Yeah. You know what I mean? And um, I don't know, it's just, I stopped producing, you know? I'm Just now, just now going, I realized the last album I actually did was in 2012, The Midnight Life, right? Independent, I'm independent now. And um, that's like too long for me to not, be putting out fucking music like i'm a musician this is what i do i'm a musical messenger you know i had success with problem we did this record called rosecrans we dropped that shit in fucking um april of fucking 2016 we had number one we celebrating we dissing kanye and shit on the air and shit get just you know starting shit right and next day prince dies <laughs> so it's like fuck we lost number one and shit and it's all about prince at this point and we didn't tour on that because it was like it was like it's just a tragedy that was around this shit. It was just crazy, bro. I should have had 15 albums out. I just finished my 10th album, Cusick, bro. And it's it's back on the fun shit. Wordplay, funky ass beats, hard ass drum sounds, fucking solid ass piano parts and guitar parts. Like, can't nobody do that shit like me. I'm just gonna let my dick out right here. Can't nobody fuck with me in the fucking studio. I'm just that guy. Because mm -hmm. I just, I, I'm left handed. I see it all different than everybody else. Talk your shit. You know? And fuck it. This shit's hot. My, my new album is fucking smoking. Mm. I'm, I'm happy. Mm. Uh, get, uh, Working with Snoop and being around Snoop in them early Love days, that what guy. was that like? Snoop was, Snoop was quiet, bro. Snoop was the shit. Snoop would 
be in his little BMW. We'd be driving fucking to fucking Las Vegas, bro. And I'm like, we're in a caravan with dog, you know, because he was, he was automatically the hottest guy in the game at that time. And you had to just get with it. It was like, dude, this this persona was just cold. Just a, it was just cool, like you know what I mean. And the marketing was never ending. You could just, you know, align him with a dog, and it works. You know, everything that you know, you know, if you can make all kind of dope ass, you know, um, things with his name, like the Snooper Bowl and the Snooper Market. So it was just like that. This marketing is Snoop, endless for this Snoop guy. Loops. Snoop Loops. Exactly. It's like you can just play with his name, and it's the <laughs> shit. So. Marketing was dope, and and he was cool. He's he's always been cool. He's the same guy, you know what I mean? Always smart. He didn't really want no fun. He didn't like trouble. He didn't like all oh, none of that shit. He wasn't he wasn't a troublemaker. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? His shit was he just wanted to smoke his weed, mm -hmm. be cool, make music. You know, I used to go to his house and do songs and shit. Like when he lived in Montclair, used to go up there and do beats. I introduced him to Sugar Free. Them niggas ended up becoming friends. Mm, Sugar Free, you know I love I mean? Sugar Free. Right on. Mm -hmm. You know, them niggas still kicking it to this day. You know. Uh, Snoop is an asset to this business mm, easily. Huge. Like he's one of the most important players on the West Coast. Without him, it's kind of, you know, it's it's kind of hard. You know, like who else? Who better? You know, he brought his dog pound to them niggas. Is you know, soldiers in the game, the lieutenants. It just it made sense, bro. And it, nobody sounds like that. The most unique voice in hip hop at that point. You know. Oh, what's, what was that song? Uh, that video uh, with the doc. We can kick it. Can oh, we can freak it. Yeah, freak we can it. freak it. Yeah, you uh, you put a spin in your walk at the end when you did, when you you was uh dancing at the end. You put a nice little spin. I ain't I ain't. You saw that? I saw that. <laughs> I saw that. That's <laughs> my first time seeing somebody spin in the walk like that, man. Thank you, bro. That's that that started something because we call it the B walk. Yeah, because you know we know what the Crip walk is. Right. We all know. We all got cousins. Right. We got Crip <laughs> brothers. Yeah. You know, so it is what it is. But. My little nephews came up with the little skip walk where they was like in the air with it, like the little in the air over here, air, air, and then twirl, like just. Yeah. And it was all about that that twirl. So niggas taught me how to twirl because I used to I would, I'd be scared to let go. It's like just spin, oh, just spin, like you know. I would like <laughs> One tip, time. I would tip around like this. It was yeah. like you can spin. I was like, and I started doing it. And I was like, you oh, killed shit. it. You killed it. Yeah. And we'd be on stage, and everybody just be twirling like tops. Folks <laughs> like, oh, new dance. The B Walk is official. The B Walk is official. Dove C approached me at the studio one time. He was like, hey, man, let me holler at you, man. I'm like, what's happening? He said, man, what's, uh, that dance y'all doing? <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> he like, man, let me see, let me see this dance, bro, so I can see for myself. If y'all not just crip walking, yeah. I said, no, nah, bro, it ain't the crip. Check this out, look. And we start skipping. He's sitting up there like Dove looking at us like. And when, you know, we was at Skip Sailors, fucking Hollywood. When he, uh, when he saw what we was doing, like it was a routine, he was like, he gave us a pass. <laughs> he was like, okay, that's different. That's different, that's different. than our shit. You know what I mean? <laughs> skip, skip. Uh, uh, yeah, when, it, when the big homie tell you it's cool, it's cool. Mm. Um, how, how was it producing for guys like Jay-Z? Um, amazing. Uh, you know, out-of-body experience. Like, it's like, wow. Like, you really made it when you're in the studio with Beyonce's offering you motherfucking water, fruit and shit, and, you know, and just chilling. Yeah, so what's, so, so what's, that, what's that session like? That session is just like you could imagine it'd be Jay's quiet. He don't, he don't, he ain't the kind of dude to walk around the studio writing and thinking and something. He sit there and he just, he let the music get in him, mm -hmm. you know, and whatnot. And um, Guru's at, you know, at the controls. I'm on the beat. B's over there chilling. Cool as shit. She's so humble. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Sweetheart, right? 
Jay will just be sitting up there humming. He'll be like, making these little sounds and shit. And then he'll just cock his head to the side and be like, <laughs> it's go time. It's like, all right, guru, I'm ready. That That's simple. Yeah. He go When he cock his head, a nigga go in there and just start nailing that shit. I'm like, I ain't see this motherfucker write not one lyric. Mm. Like, who does that? I start doing that. I, I stole that from him. I don't write no more. Like, it's, I think too fast for that shit. It's, it's going to slow me down now writing the shit down. Mm -hmm. You know, I'll, I'll write down the hit points, you know, shit that I would probably forget. But, you know, just the words in between, like, just bust that shit off. So you head. punch. You like punching. Uh, no. You don't like punching? I'm old school. Like, if yeah. you can't do it in 16, if yeah. you can't do it in 16, then it's hard to perform that shit live. Right. It's still to me about the live show. Right. To me. I ain't like everybody. You know, I'm, I like it the hard way. You know, it's easy to put a word here, put a word there, and then just go put them on Pro Tools mm -hmm. and do the thing. But mm -hmm. we come from tapes. Like, when right. I'm gone, nigga, you, my tapes is going to pull up. Motherfuckers going to be able to pull up them tapes and listen to shit that we did and, and be amazed. Like, I'd be amazed, like, listening back to my tapes. Like, damn, mm. we were, I was on one. Mm. You know, I got my masters, bro. Fuck that. My mm. shit is my shit is in storage. I can go look at that shit. I can go touch my motherfucking safe and sound, all them reels and shit. You know what I mean? That's important to me. Mm -hmm. You know, and uh, the art, just the the, the the perfectionism of it is important. I don't believe in punching. If because if you can't, you you can't feel it. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes if if it's not one whole verse all the way down. You know, I don't like it to feel punched. Mm -hmm. You know. But then again, that's I'm left-handed. I'm a perfectionist. What, what can I say? <laughs> How important is tech and music? I mean, like production, technology. Yeah. And it, what's what's some all, of your favorite? It, it always leads music. It's the leading thing. You know, the the guy with the new tech has the new sound. Yeah. You know. Mm hmm. It's like shit. Like y'all in basketball, whoever got the hot hand, pass it to him. Shit. Like when Pro Tools came out. Pro Tools changed everything. Unfortunately. For the for the worst at the beginning, mm -hmm. because of the way it sounded, it took something out of our sound, mm -hmm. you know, and it took um, a learn. It, it came with a learning curve. You had to now start thinking about a different way of using, you know, of producing music and putting music together. And the, iron the irony is, is that Pro Tools is from Avid. Pro Tools was a video editing system. Mm -hmm. You know, it was for putting movies together and synchronizing music to them. You know. And then they just like, you know, well, you know, you can put sound in, you can break it up, you can move stuff around. They, they was going to all the studios like in late 90s, like maybe 94, 95, demoing it. And it was like, man, we're going to keep this board and these tape machines, right? Mm -hmm. And then ultimately every studio just switched. It was like tape was getting phased out and everybody was doing Pro Tools. And I just didn't like the sound of it. It just didn't have no bottom. Like it didn't have no life in it. What you use? Um, I, I stayed tape-based. Like I, I would use uh, like the, the Sony... Um, Eight tracks, the um, um, like tape base, like uh, the DA88s, mm -hmm. which is like a little eight millimeter tape, because mm -hmm. they just sounded like something. Still, I couldn't lose that linear feeling until Dang. ultimately Pro Tools got better and better, started to sound more like what we're used to. Then I end up having to give in. Ultimately, like what 2000 and I want to say 2003, I went on and got on in and. You know, learned it, had a bunch of people teaching me stuff, showing me how to do it, yada, yada, yada. Then I started fucking with some real fancy programmers. And they turned me into a power user. Now I'll be, I'll be doing shit, fucking people up, like 
like five commands and then just move my hand and the, the computer be sit up there doing it. <laughs> like should be swelling up. Bro. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I got good at it. So now all my shit is basically Pro Tools. I still like tape though. Like I just picked up this thing called a Model 24 Tascam and it's like tape-based recording, like old school. Because some people don't want to look at a computer screen. You know what I mean? Music is, it's a, it's, it's, not sitting up there staring at a screen. Music is what you feel, how you feel right away, putting it down, playing, you know, jotting down stuff. So I'm back to that. But the cool thing is that the Model 24 integrates with Pro Tools. So after mm -hmm. you're done doing it your way, drop it into Pro Tools and clean it up. And clean it up and do all, do all the shit you got to do. But now I love Pro Tools. I, I can't live without it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Top three producers in any genre. Top three producers in any genre. Uh, um, easily, uh, fucking Quincy Jones. Easily, um, my man Rob Temperton from Heatwave. I heard of that thing. He wrote Rock with You and you know all the Heatwave stuff and. Thriller, he wrote Thriller and all that shit. But Rod, just the way he played, man, to be a German guy like that, to have that sense of funk, it's just crazy. Uh, and Curtis Mayfield, is, to me, still like the greatest of all time, you know. And George Clinton. People forget that George, because he was such a character, they forget he was actually producing all that shit. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, who can make a flashlight? Who can make... Not just Needy. Not just Needy is the best fucking funk record in the world. Hands down. I can't think of nothing better. You know, Brick House, maybe. Yeah, no. Fucking Not Just Needy. That shit was, that's still the most youthful record ever. Put that shit on and I don't give a fuck who you are. You're gonna <laughs> dance. Yeah. That's my that's those are my favorites. Curtis, Quincy Jones, just for the seniority, and fucking uh George Clinton. Talk about your time at Arista. Clive Davis, beautiful Whitney man, Houston. the best boss ever, man. Clive Davis was—he let me do what I wanted to do. That's all the artist wants. And then he gave, put me in, you know, positions and gave me opportunities where I could produce uh, other artists on Arista, like Deborah Cox and you know, Next, RJ, and these guys being in the studio with these dudes, man. And that lets me be in the studio with like Babyface and you know, um, fucking um, Mariah Carey. Ultimately, you know what I mean? It was. Dave Clive kicked the door open for us. He bought. He inherited Profile Records, which was my label. He and he bought the label and inherited our our deal. And um, you know, going up there and talking to that dude, just knowing who he was from the past, like he signed Gil Scott Heron and fucking you know, um, uh, what's old girl to die from fucking heroin abuse? Um, fucking. She said, come on, little crazy voice girl. No, not Amy Winehouse. Fucking, um, her name escapes me right now, but she was one of, she died, she was the 27 Club. Her, Jimi Hendrix, Janis Joplin. Janis Joplin, Janis she's Joplin. from my hometown. Yeah, he, he signed, he was at, he was at Epic. This dude signed Sly and the Family Stone, bro. Fuck out of here. Sly and the Family Stone, bro. And supported Sly the whole time. Of course, he signed Whitney. Of course, he signed fucking, he signed Ray Parker Jr. Radio, you know. He's he's just as black as all of us when it came to music sensibility. Mm -hmm. But just a cool dude. And he, he said, people actually, I used to go to his Grammy parties and shit. People would ask, you know, what he thought about me. He was like, quick as the, he's the best artist on the West Coast. Like of all the West Coast artists. He's always said, quick is the best. He's the best out of all of them. Mm. It's like, 
Thank you, bro. I'm in a lot coming from him. Goddamn right. Mm -hmm. Clive Davis, greatest boss ever, bro. I, I, I hate it when he left because um, L.A. Reed LA came in and just kicked everybody off the label. Like, I have, I was grandfathered into the shit. I had another million dollars on the table for my, my album after balancing options, and this motherfucker dropped me mm. for nothing. It's like, what do I got to do? Like, you know, changed my whole trajectory. I had to go independent and shit. And it was that was that was an ugly fight because independent was run by you know the gangsters, you know, Genovese family type shit. You know what I mean? Francis Francis's and shit. So it was like, you know, they're gonna come here, get over here, sign this contract here, take all your money here. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the fuck is this shit? You know what I mean? So I had to navigate through that shit. Now I'm cool. I'm, uh, I'm straight mm. with some people I like. You know that I could put out independent records with and feel good about it. But I miss Clive as a person. Is it true that Prince asked to borrow your production setup? Sure did. Um, how did I he, was, how, how did, I would. I was vice president at a &R Warner Brothers. He came back in, he came back in, um, uh, and I hope it was because he saw that Warner Brothers hired a nigga to be a and <laughs> He was like, uh-oh, they get it. He, he stopped writing Slave on his face and, the, the you know, the the talk was going around the office that he was coming back. So I was like, cool, we all at Henson. I'm like, got a residency at Henson Recorders um, where they shot Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, dope mm. ass studio, mm. Rhythm Nation, it used to be AM. So my man is making his rounds. He's coming back to, he's coming to the studio. And I should have known because I see Wendy and Lisa, The Time, you know, all in the studio. And uh, I'm working on, uh, my record, I was working on trauma at the at the time and producing, like, helping put on people like Chingy and shit. Like, I'm just, just doing little shit, right? Um, fucking with, you know, uh, Dre a little bit with the 50 Cent shit here and there. And um, Prince uh, Peoples came into my studio session one day and it was like, uh, quick, uh, the man wants to uh, know if he could uh, see your rig right there. He wanted to know if he could use your rig for a minute. I'm like, the man? Who's the man? <laughs> Prince. Like, hell yeah, man. I'm wired that shit. Go ahead. I don't give a fuck. Hey, um, I wired it. Rolled it in there. It went in this room. He had it for like a few hours, four or five hours or whatnot. So then they came back, knocked on the door, came in. It was like, hey, quick, uh, Prince, you know, he said, thank you. You know, I uh, appreciate, you know, being your hospitality, letting me use the shit. He said, Prince wants to, he also wants to know what do you drink? I said, oh, hell yeah. Nigga, I drink Hennessy XO. Get the big bottle, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so my Take man go out. They go get me a bottle. They come back in. They was like, this quick, this is from Prince. I'm like, you know, I'm pr I love Prince. My Prince mm -hmm. is the greatest ever, right? I'm feeling myself. We put the motherfucking box on the, um, up on the goddamn uh, console and just work. Me and the engineers just in there in awe. Like, damn, nigga, Prince touched this shit. What, nigga? <laughs> my shit. Yeah. So, but you'd never see him coming through. And when you do see him walking through, Prince had this walk. It, was a, it wasn't a walk. It was a glide where his head never moved. But you just see him just gliding like he was on a fucking conveyor belt. Like, who the fuck? <laughs> magic shit, bro. Mm -hmm. Fucking magic in real life, my nigga. Like, personified. Yeah. He invited me to his house. No, he was, you know, I'm sure that, like, it made him comfortable that niggas was in the building, bro. 
And he know my music because I'm one of the only people that he cleared a sample for because he never cleared a sample for nobody. Mm. Oh, he cleared? Oh, Hearts yeah, of Men, when yeah. I sampled uh, fucking Darling Nikki at the end, I reversed it, ha, ha, yeah. ha, ha. Yeah. Put that in Tupac's record. He was mad at first. Then niggas just start sending his ass money. <laughs> Shit, it's like, all right, cool. Yeah. That, and what's your phone number? He never cleared 777 for nobody. Mm-hmm. But when, when I sampled it and made it sound right because the... Johnny J, rest his soul, he produced it and he was putting music on the one. And 777-9311 ain't on the one. It's the accent all the way around it, but nothing is on the one. Mm-hmm. That's why it's like one, two, three, four, blank, boom, doom, 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 mm-hmm. blank, doom, 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 ticket, blank, doom, 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 nothing's on the one. Not even the singing. Boom, baby, what's your phone? You know, on nothing. Mm-hmm. So my man was putting music on the one. I'm like, I went and got the CD and resampled it and did it over in Tupac, you know, latest vocals and and uh, Prince, he cleared that shit too. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying cows are bust. You can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, Demarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to do That's my, my dance, <laughs> Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes' Be My Baby and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. There's plenty to celebrate in March and Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbionica is your solution to great-tasting, all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or toxins. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. 
Visit Symbionica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbionica.com. C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A.com. This is a question I wanted to ask you. So when you go in the studio, you know the board, the big board, of course you know what that is. Mm -hmm. So do do you have to set each one or when you plug in the computer, it, it set itself? Um... No, you mean as far as like mixing and you know, so the, the, the soundboard. Yeah. So you have to, you have to like all those knots. Uh, you got to move them all to a certain thing, or the board sets itself. No, it don't set itself. Okay. What it is is it's 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 a matrix. That's it's really buttons. just one channel and multiplied by a hundred. So if you learn what one channel does, all the way from the preamp to the fader, mm-hmm. then you in essence know what they all do. So. It's all about your application in your ear when you mix a record, you know. And I just, I got some of the best ears in the game. How long I, would it take you to set one? Um, I mix fast. Like, cause set I'm, the board? I'm used to it. Yeah. yeah. Well, you get somebody, you, the, the second engineer comes in and zeroes it out. Right. It's like nothing's changed. It's just flat. It's mm-hmm. Nothing's happening. And then you, as soon as you, you know, you put sound through it, you got kicks and snares and hi-hats and vocals. You just go through and dial in how it's supposed to sound. Like what you, you know, the, give, give, give everything the the polished platinum treatment, mm-hmm. you know, kicks, snares, hi-hats, and vocals and shit, and that's how you blend everything. It's a, it's a fucking art. That's, 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 make no mistake, mixing records is not easy. Because I've seen people turn the board off, all, all the buttons go down. Yeah. Then when they just turn it on, it just reset itself. Yeah, that's, that's automation. Yeah. They, those are, that's, that's um, total recall. That's when boards have, you know, a program. Yeah. You know what I mean? Memory, and, yeah. Yeah, memories. Like, it'll go back to a song. That's, that come in handy when you got we working with two people and one person does everything different. By the time he's done, when you go back in there, if you gotta undo all that shit and do your shit again, it just takes it's like three, four hours of lost time. So they made boards where you can automatically just go back to it. It's called a screenshot, where it'll take a picture of your mix and then just recall it instantly and everything just fly back to what you, where you were. You're kind of over your head right now with the music. I'm just stuff. listening, yeah. No, man, that shit is, man, the technology. I know a little bit about you asked, it. I know this goes back to your question about technology. Technology yeah. leads to shit, bro. Yeah. You know, that's that's why Roger Schroppen was so popular because he just, he was fucking around with them dope-ass keyboards and that damn talk box that he invented, bro, that mm-hmm. he made himself. He did, he made that one because they, they were selling them, but he wanted one with a little more umph. That's why his sounded different than everybody else. You know, different than Stevie Wonder and, um, What's my man, the guitar player, Peter Frampton? Like, he got famous doing it, but the way Roger did it, it became a, he made it a, a star. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You ever have any experience with uh, Michael Jackson? Yeah, man. Fucking Michael Jackson, bro. <laughs> I, I booked his studio. We booked his studio, um, Westlake, for my first single tonight. We moved from our studio to his studio, and he wanted to get in there one time. So... They was like, um, you know, they came through, warned everybody that, you know, Michael's going to come through. And uh, he didn't want nobody to see him coming through or looking right. So we all out there, in the, you know, by the pink, the, pimp, um, the pool table, kitchen area, everybody chilling. We taking a break from the studio. And these guys come in and they like, it was like, hey, y'all, um, we about to bring somebody through here. You know, they didn't ask us to leave. They asked us to just turn around and face the wall while, you know, they bring the artist through, right? So it's like, are y'all serious? Like, 
It's not a joke. They was like, man, if y'all, come on quick, man. If you could just, I know who you are quick. I like your music. If you could just turn around <laughs> like and face your the music. wall. Just turn the fuck around. You know, it, you know, it'd all be good. All right, all right, man. So we turn around and shit. This shit seemed weird as shit, like some police shit, like, you know, being hemmed up on the wall. So the door opens, poof. Then you just hear some penny loafers just, mm -hmm. right? <laughs> Running through the little thing. You turn around, you can see him, like his little hair and shit. That motherfucker went in the door, closed it. It's like, oh, y'all cool. Y'all can turn around. Y'all, everything's cool. It's like, damn, Mike didn't want nobody to look at him. That's what the crazy. fuck is this? Right? So, um, that was one experience, and then it was another one where he booked our studio, hence um, Skip Sailors, and he was more cool then. It was like I had a one of my little artists I was trying to sign, and you know he didn't really say nothing to us. He just walked walked past, and you know what I mean. Whatever he wasn't he wasn't as timid as he was back in ninety one, ninety two. He was just more cool, but he didn't. I don't know if he. I don't think he he didn't want to fuck with me. He thought I was blood. <laughs> Mike was a crip. Mike was, yeah, crippin'. Mike was crippin'. Yeah, Mike was on his cripping. <laughs> but yeah, man. Uh, but shit, I hung out with Janet, man. That was amazing. Mm -hmm. Produced record, produced a uh, remix the record for her. We gave her the uh, Icon Award, MTV and shit. I DJ for. That's that's a boy, Penny Woods. <laughs> that's a bad motherfucker. Man, who you tell? Bad lady, bro. Mm -hmm. Just iconic. I got a list of names. Give me your, your best interaction or the impact or what they meant to you uh, in your life and in your career. Easy E. Easy E, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Easy E. I just bit his whole style, voice and everything, you know. And people, somebody told me, they said, quick, you are Easy E and Dr. Dre put together. Because mm. you can do what Dre do and you do what Easy do. And you sound like Easy. I'm like, I didn't really think of it that way, but hey. I can see that. I take that. That's, that's, heavy. that's a bar. Mm -hmm. So yeah, um, I wouldn't be here without Eric easily. That was my biggest inspiration. Kevin Costner. Kevin Costner. As an uh, actor, um, I never got a chance to meet Kevin Costner, but I heard he liked niggas. <laughs> Word. That's what I heard. He got this shit on TV called Yellowstone right now. It's the best shit on TV. Yeah, they have they they funking behind the scenes. That's what <laughs> that Yellowstone <laughs> shit is the best the, shit on TV. Man, that's the best shit on TV. Yeah, they they talking about it right now. News. Dr. Like they, Dre. Um Dre is the guru. I, I call him a warlock because just the shit he knows about Sonics, you know what I mean? Um, and being in the studio with him, he's very fucking methodical about the way he works on, um, on shit. And then he has this, it's like nothing really excites him. He's like, you know, he's not like, you know, just quick to just jump up. Hey, you know what I mean? He's like, he's, I often say, Dre is not impressed until you play something for him that he's never heard ever because mm. he's heard everything. It's hard to do. So, yeah, you got to do shit for him that he's never heard. That's why That's why he liked that Indian record that I did for him. You know, it's something he never heard and went in and played percussion, playing it all a different way. Not just, not just in there like on an Aretha Franklin song, just playing the tambourine. Like we made the tambourine a thing, like playing it a whole different way. You know, it took fucking hours to do a fucking tambourine part, but yeah, he's a... He's a slave driver in that fucking studio, but when it's all said and done, you hear it, it is something that's unique and special. So he's just got this kind of foresight, like a warlock. What side of Compton Kevin Costner from? You know? Is he from Compton? Yeah. Fuck out of here. Kevin yeah. Costner's from CPT? That's why they that's why that's why we got him on the list. Cause he, that's why we asked you, because he's from Compton. Oh, I had no idea. Yeah. 
You from that French part of Compton? <laughs> <laughs> the French part. <laughs> no, I know that uh, George Bush used to live in Compton, though. Yeah, yeah. Found that out later. No, I had no idea. Mm, That's why he got that swag. That's why he got that part in the bodyguard. Mm -hmm. Oof. Great part. No wonder he like niggas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Makes okay. sense now? Makes sense, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense now. <laughs> All clicked. <laughs> uh, Kendrick Lamar. K-Dot, man. Before he blew up, I got a chance to work with him on an uh, EA Sports game. And um, if I had known he'd be who he is now, I would have just let him take over the song. But I knew he had something special the way, you know, I met him through J-Rock. And uh, J-Rock brought him to the studio, and we did, I cut his vocals. Like, this boy got a voice. I'm like, this was before he was, like, I didn't hear his rap shit. He was just singing the hook, like, doing the hook. I'm like, this motherfucking kid is incredible, right? And my dumb ass, I'm thinking, um, you know, like, what do I pay him? Like, how do you pay him? Like, you know what I mean? Like, you know, he's going to get a credit on the, on the song because it's corrupt, Merce, me, J-Rock. Everybody's on it, and um, Kendrick's doing the shit. So I was like, I just like paid him as an instrumentalist, like you know, like how you play a band, pay a band member. I think I gave him like four or five hundred bucks. I was like, man, thanks for being on here, right? I should have gave that nigga like two grand, three grand, so he remember me. <laughs> like, <laughs> like quick, just treated me like a motherfucking bass player. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's like, what else was I supposed to do? I didn't know. And and then when I heard uh, Section Eighty, I was like, this is this kid. And then, it, and it all clicked. It was like, wow. So then, when I went to reach back to him, like to produce, he's already signed the fucking aftermath. You know, once once Dre gets you, it's like it's it's all bets are off. You know, so I never got back in the studio with him, but you know, I'm, I loved his trajectory. So deserving. You know, he's from the right side of Compton. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So cool. Shit. <laughs> and he fucked with Mossberg. He sampled my shit. He sampled uh. Get naked for um, his record King Kunta. He paid homage to Mossberg, so which was important to me. Mossberg was mm -hmm. my artist. Unfortunately, you know, got killed in fucking 2000 on Fourth of July. Mm -hmm. Took a break from the studio and went home. And niggas is such creeps. They got that boy during the fucking under the cloak of the fireworks. Like, goddamn. I probably known out that we'd have stayed in the studio all night. We'd pull what we did last night. 14, 16 hours, like, stay out the streets, man. But mm. it was a bad boy. But I just feel like Kendrick carried the torch, and, you know, he deserved it. That's, he's one of the best at it. I mean, easily important, and he's going to be the kind of kid that inspires everybody to go forward, like, you know, the new generation of artists. Mm -hmm. The game. JCR. I, um, I DJ for um, the game when he first came out, when his album debuted, the documentary. Went overseas with him and watched the world fall in love with this dude. Just his little, you know, his, his you know, just his attitude, just this this fire he had, um, you know. And of course, you know, we all ain't none of us without our troubles and shit. When I started to see him get in trouble, I hated it because it was like that's the one thing you don't want to do, man. Just fly straight, like you know what I mean. Like stop beating up the DJ radio DJs when they say something slick, or you know, stop fighting in these clubs. Stop. Gang banging in New York, son. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. kick it. You know what I mean? He was like, he had a, he was like a pit bull. He was like, let loose. He had a, he was gonna settle a score. It's like, there's no score to settle. You know what I mean? It's like, all this shit's over. It's, it's all about you now. Just be you. Be number one, boss. Mm -hmm. You know, some fun times. I had some fun times. Went to Paris, fucking with that nigga. All over Europe and shit. The Williams family. Oh man, everybody loves them girls, bro. Um, 
Serena and Venus, they um they they are the first to me, they they were the first high profile Compton residents. Cause they that shit, you know, to be playing in Wimbledon, bro, and fucking London and England rather, you know, in UK. Like, what's better than that? What's bigger than that? They they topped out. And then to be as good as they are, like just phenoms. It's something in water in Compton, huh? Mm-hmm. I got some salad out cocaine there. Cocaine in that shit. Said cocaine Cocaine's in the water. <laughs> okay, I'm just kidding. Top three cities or countries you performed in? Top three cities. Um, Detroit. Mm. Joe Louis Arena. The loudest ovation I ever heard. San Francisco in the beginning. Um, Summer Jam. When Summer Jam came on. Um, Oakland is the shit, though. Oakland is just—it's just something just special in Oakland, bro. Different. I can't wait to go tomorrow. I, the people just—they just—they real. Mm-hmm. It's just—it's just fucking it's incredible. Um, overseas, I love Australia. I've been in Australia like four or five times. Just got back in November. Um, I set off this whole. I said, it's like after I came back from Australia, then I saw seeing everybody go like Cube, man. They all in New Zealand, Exhibit, Snoop. You know what I mean? Everybody start going. It's like, you're welcome. <laughs> still fly, still out there killing that fucking stage like a teenager. But um, also, um, Canada, certain parts of Canada is the shit. Like um, Quebec, Quebecois, um, BC, of course, the West Coast of it. It's just like, just like how America is. Like they got the East Coast, Toronto, and all that is East Coast, and they got the West Coast. Um, but the people out there are just sweet. Like, they just got this natural, cool, just sweet people. You know what I mean? Um, never been to Africa. That's on my bucket list. I want to perform there. But uh, I did uh, Norway, which was incredible. That shit was unreal. Like, shit just seemed like a dream, bro. Like, all that natural beauty up there, all the fresh water and the fjords and all that shit, just balling. And their money is twice as much as ours mm-hmm. <laughs> at Kroner. So that shit was dope. Um, but I got to say, out of all of them, you know, this West Coast shit is dope. Like, when you're killing on the West, Ain't nothing like it. Like the Forum, you know, uh, Staples Center, formerly. And shit's just, you yeah. get to play on your own court. Mm-hmm. That's it. Home court. Atlanta. So, Atlanta's dope, too. Yeah, and Houston. That. Your favorite tour you've been on and who was with you? My favorite tour was my first tour. Because it was like, it was Innocence. And we was hot as fi- fucking fish Who was grease. on the tour with you? Uh, AMG Second and None and uh, High C. High C. You know, there was some shit going on. We uh, we was getting shot at every night, though, because of the whole <laughs> blood shit. So <laughs> we always, it got to a point to where it was to be expected. You're going to be here. There's going to be some crips there. The, the, the security will warn us. We do a little extra shit. I had bulletproof vests and shit. Security had guns. We do the show. Motherfuckers, we get out. Motherfuckers come around the back to try to catch us. Security let off some shots. They shoot back. But diversion, we get in the motherfucking van, head back to the hotel. Mm-hmm. You know. Every night. Every every, every night. Crazy. Every night. That's why I stopped touring. When it came time for uh, my second album, 1992, I stopped touring. And, well, it wasn't worth it no more. You know, I was... Um, I guess I was shell shocked from being out there with all that fucking violence. It's like, God damn. Wanna how, make do you, music. how do you have an enemy everywhere you go? Oh, it's haters everywhere now. Yeah? Yeah. 
Haters, haters everywhere now. Uh, craziest fan interaction you've ever had? Uh, I touched this girl's uh, hand and she fainted. Mm. It's Michael Jackson. So I was about to say that Michael Jackson effect. Man, she's. Did you have your hair permed out that day or something? Yep. What was it? That's, That's what, what it was. That hair worked, bro. That hair your head. I be trying to tell Jack. Don't get fucked up. No, it's coming. It's coming. Don't worry. I'm letting mine grow. SJ, I still got my shit. Fuck what y'all talking about. I'm letting mine grow. This shit down. It still goes. I'm letting mine grow. Man, no, yeah, girl straight fainted, bro. I was like, what the fuck? What is this? Had to be picked up and carried out. You ever made somebody faint, Matt? But I know about whooping their ass, maybe. Okay. <laughs> what about you? I had a girl cry when she met me. She didn't speak English or anything like that, but she just started crying. That she didn't know my name or nothing. She just started crying. Why? I was scared? taking pictures with people, and mm -hmm. she walked by and just, and just started crying. Didn't know my name, didn't know who I was, but mm -hmm. I made her cry. Okay. <laughs> that's cool too. Yeah, that's cool. We'll take it. It count. State of hip hop right now. Fifty year anniversary. State of hip hop. Thoughts on it? Um, I just spoke at a panel. Polestar touring, you know, all the heavyweights promoters in the business. And um, it's a beautiful thing because we had to fight for this to be taken seriously. You know, um, just some of the things that we went through individually and collectively as artists were, you know, we had to really kick the door down for the shit. And now that it's lived 50 years and it's become the most important, most influential genre in music, I can't be nothing but proud. I feel mm -hmm. like I put a brick in that wall. Absolutely. You know what I mean? I feel like I helped build it. But the sad thing is, it's also 50 years. Yeah. So, you know, the the art is starting to, you know, the, the genre of hip-hop is starting to outlive its artists. Huh. And that's that's sad. Yeah. Jimmy, like, you know, we just lost True Goy from De La Soul. You know what I mean? Shock G, I'm still I'm in my heart, in my plug mind, two. minds. Rest in peace, plug too, man. Right. Come on, man. I'm, you know, I, it, it just shocked me when Shock G died. I was, I was looking forward to going back on tour with Shock. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, we lost a lot of too many important members. When Bismarck Key died, and even my man DMX, it's like the fuck, man. Like really. I wish like, I would have got a chance to meet Plug too, man. Wasn't they, wasn't they I, cool? I was a big De La Soul fan. Yeah, man, De La Soul, Three Feet High and Rising. That album was amazing, bro. Yep. Mm. Yep, groundbreaking. Any, who are some of the younger artists that you, you listen to or have caught your ear? I like Vince Staples. Vince Staples is hard to me. They was just talking about it. Mm -hmm. Vince Staples is hard. You gotta listen to him. Um, I like the little girl with the little record, uh, and you're gonna have a thin flight. Night, what's her name? Koi something. Have a good night. Yeah. I just want to yeah, have Koi a good night. Yeah. Hold up. That break is hard. That's what's his name, daughter, ain't it? Uh, Benzino daughter, right? Good on him. Yeah, yeah. it is. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. She's dope. Um, who else knew? I don't know. I've been I've been working on my record mm -hmm. lately, so I'm kind of out of the loop. Locked in on your shit. Yeah. I, when I drop my shit. And we'll see who it affects, and you'll see who <laughs> what collabos I do from there. Uh, Gavin Newsom signs a bill in California limiting lyrics as evidence. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? As someone who came from such a violent phase of music, um, thoughts on that? When did he sign this bill? wasn't too long ago, was it? Uh -uh. He's limiting the the use of lyrics as evidence. Evidence against he signed it people. last year. Okay, well then Gavin is a hero then. No, Gavin is that guy. That's who gave me my, my day in the Bay. 
Gavin say that. Say that. Yeah, no. Um, yeah, because in in a sense, it is just sensationalism. Like, you know, we doing that shit back then. You know, my, if you listen to my first album, I got a song in there called Loped Out Hood. You swear I was killing everybody every day, right? Because <laughs> it was just sensationalized. It was, it was, you know, it was fake. Entertainment. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. um, but then it seemed like the lyrics, like when Tupac got killed, it was almost like the lyrics, you know, the lyrics, thoughts become things. It was, it was almost like, it was, it was scary because now you, you say this shit and it could happen to you. You know what I mean? Like the boogeyman is real type shit. Manifesting yeah. the know, negativity, yeah. You understand what I'm saying? So to see the youth have so many, see, to see so many youth deaths in hip hop is crazy to me. Like all the, the young rappers that have died, you know, exploiting the guns and shit in their videos and all this violence, and then they just get killed. Like, it, like bro, hip hop at one point, a couple of years ago, was more dangerous than being a construction worker. Yep. You know, fucking off of those words. So I'm glad Gavin did that. So, you know, motherfuckers could go back to saying the outlandish wild shit they want to say. I mean, express yourself. It's just, it's just fucking. But it's supposed to be reality. You, you know what I'm saying? That's the music that touches what you're going through. Like, you, you got to be able to talk about real life things that go on in the hood for your music to actually touch somebody. You can't just make up some shit on an album and think that's going to touch somebody. Right. You know what I'm saying? It don't I work mean, like that. Music is, is relative. You, you make music for people to. Just say things that they can't say. Your music represents people. That's how it is. And it represents their culture, represents their hood. That's all it's about. You just want to make the music that motherfuckers, that make people feel good and give them a little escapism. Although you still obviously got it in you and, and, and continuing to do more work, sitting here at 53 years old, did you ever think you would say, I mean, it's an honor to and a blessing to get this old in the game because as we discussed, so many people have lost their lives and a lot of your oh. friends have lost their lives in it. I have more friends dead than alive. I've lived that long. I got more cemeteries I have to visit than actual niggas I could pull up on, mm. which is fucked up. But I feel like I'm here for a reason, and I'm going to keep doing what I do, bro. I'm going to keep trying to be Superman at this shit and, and thug it out for as long as I can. But at the same time, try to make music that's not resting on my laurels, not going back and doing the same old shit over and over again, but still trying to pull the best out of artists that I fuck with, whether they're my OGs, people that I worked with, or even new artists that want to, you know, learn. How hard is it to stay, I wouldn't want to say relevant, relevant. you've always been relevant. I think you've always Thank been you. relevant, Thank but you. to Appreciate stay that, with the time, so to speak, of just the way music is it's always evolving. Um, I'm a DJ first. So these are records that I play. You got to like what you play, and you got to play for people that like what you play. Mm -hmm. So I stay, I keep my ear to the streets. I keep listening to the records that, that work, you know, without biting them. You know, I, you know, you, you, it's, to me, it's about my sound. I still do my sound the mm -hmm. way I do it, and that's what makes me unique. But it's not without listening to what's hot. You can't just turn a blind eye to what's right. chart-topping because you'll lose your way. You'll be, you'll be dated before you know it. You know, I just still, I still love it too. It's still, I still have a passion about it. You know what I mean? Finally, we finally get the smoke. Oh. I asked you if you wanted me to roll you something up, bro. Uh, I thought you said you had something to go for me. I definitely got something to go for you. No, I smoke with you, bro. Growing up in Compton. I didn't want to be high and shit on you. Oh, no, yeah, this is, I'm loaded out. I'm so geeked right now. <laughs> this, this, this is the last right. We good. We, we coming to the closing, yeah, the closing um, line. That's why I say more levels. Uh, 
Growing up in Compton, yeah. what would you tell a young DJ Quick that's coming up in Compton right now, that's mm. around all the madness? What would, what would I say to the, what would Not I say? you, but a young producer that's want to be DJ Quick that's growing oh, up in the same. Easy, easy, <laughs> easy, easy, easy. <laughs> <laughs> that seven leaves. Be you, did that, you did that on purpose, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's because it was cold. Oh, okay, that's what it was. Yeah, it was too oh. cold. You gotta uh. heat it up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but what would you tell a young producer that's inspiring to be like you, that's growing up in the same predicament you grew up in? What would you tell them? What would what advice would you give them so so he wouldn't make some of the same mistakes you made, bro? Don't. Fuck with your family. Because family, they make shit difficult. Because they, familiarity breeds contempt. Mm. They'll hold your ass down and not give a fuck and don't realize they stopping the fucking the money. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I would tell me, leave your sister alone, bro. She, she don't fuck with you like that. Mm. And she's, you know, she's fucking since then has been diagnosed with fucking sociopathy psychopathy so it's like you know just don't 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 think your family is all there for you some of them have a little envy so mm. be careful with that the motherfuckers you think you hot protecting yourself from when you lock the door and you know cock the gauge they be right there behind you inside the house <laughs> so be careful with that shit family always fuck shit up because they no, no you know they ain't got nothing to lose mm. and Keep making, go to the left. Keep making music that's just a little bit off the beaten path. You want something that sounds different. Like now, today, the trend is, like like Scarface said, everything sounds like it's one long song now. It's the same producer, like, just this one long song. Mm-hmm. And our era was for everybody to be diverse. So Yeah, no one didn't sound like anybody back then. They, they cool with copycat now. Yeah, it's cool. the thing. I mean, but hey, man, if it sells, if it, you know, if, if they make way more money now than we did, yep, you know, and I'm I'm proud of them for that because like, that was the whole thing was financial freedom and above and beyond. But still, give the people who are you know who are that that grow from a very creative record still be super creative so you can spark people. That's all I'm saying. Spark the minds. Last year, you basically uh, put out some uh, tweets saying that you should be with Dr. Dre. And basically, you was just patting yourself on the back because a lot of people don't do it. That's how I took it. Yeah, I've seen how that could have been misconstrued. Like, you know, when I I realized that I trended when I made it to Australia. I said that before I flew out of America. I was just like, because I, I helped Dr. Dre with some of the most pivotal songs of his career. And I just feel like, you know, my name don't get shouted enough. Like... I had a, I have a sound, you know, and a lot of people don't know this. And Snoop, Snoop, I hate to put him, you know, put him in this, but Snoop came to me before he did "Bitch Please," and said, he said, man, I got something for you to hear. He had me on this the dog food album. He said that, uh, he said, man, you, he said, cause you put Dr. Dre back on. I'm like, what you mean? He said, wait till you hear this record. So he played "Bitch Please" for me, and it was the two records that I did for uh, Shaquille O'Neal combined. The way he played it, because before that it was, you know, aftermath presents and the firm, and people was like, you know, damn, Drake, his music changed too much. But me, I just kept doing what I was doing. I didn't, you know, I always, I'm always there for Dre. I always want to help Dre when he need me. He don't really need me. He got 
10, 12 beat makers that do everything he need. But my thing is, I'm, I'm, I'm left-handed. I always think a little bit off the beaten path, and I got a, a bounce. I got my own bounce. So Dre borrowed my bounce, and it put him right back on. Mm -hmm. Why do you feel like you haven't got the respect or love? Is it because you were independent so long, you, were, you didn't go main? Like what, um, what, what, what it is, I don't know. I get anxiety a lot. I don't like to be around people a lot. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I like to be by myself. I'm kind of so, I'm solitary. You know what I mean? I like to, when I come out, I come out, but I'm like the fucking hedgehog, bro. Like, you know what I mean? Groundhog, rather. <laughs> like, I come out, tell you the weather, and I'm back in it. Um, I didn't market myself as much as everybody else did, you know, and um, again, I stayed reclusive. So, that's, to me, that's what it was more than anything else. But also, and I'm not a camera hog. I'm not like an attention hog. Like, I don't like to just do a bunch of shit for attention. But I think another thing, too, is, you got the respect of your peers and 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 the real ones in the space. Say that. You that means I mean? more than anything else. That, and that's to me, that's the thing. You know what I mean? Whether you get the the huge reckoning, obviously you're known around the world. But when you tweeted that shit, I'm just like, he doesn't get the love and respect and the flowers he should get. That's and what that, I, like, that's like what Jackson, I be feeling. I'm like, that's the angle I I'm got like, from it. Don't wait till I'm dead. Right. I'm still here. Let me you know, know now. Y'all should know I'm fly because I'm not putting out bullshit records. Not just putting out records because it's time to put out a record. You know, it's been man, a year. Ain't nothing wrong with breaking your arm and patting yourself on the back. Come you got to do man. that because, hey, man. like I, I said. I love me. You, if you, if, hey, if you, you sit around waiting for people to pat you on the back, <laughs> you're going to be sitting there waiting, bro. You got to pat yourself on man, the back sometimes. I'm hard. Yeah, because it's, it's too many people with too many different things to focus on. So just don't forget about little old me. Just know that I did some really incredible this fucking records. Quick. I sold 100 million records when it wasn't popular, bro. With all that Tupac shit, Whitney Houston, Janet Jackson, Deborah Cox, fucking soundtracks, Above the Rim, fucking Murder Was the Case, my own shit, bro. Like, you know, before 2000, I was already at 100 million aggregate sales, bro. Who the fuck does that? Mm. That should be, I should be, I should, what I got to do, get a tattoo in public on TV? Like, <laughs> I'm the shit, motherfucker, counting right. on my chest. <laughs> I knew I should have gave you that joint earlier. It's the, the shit talking dick. Yeah, I told you earlier, you should have gave one yeah. of Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, my dick's out now. Fuck it. <laughs> hey, fuck Let's it. go. And, and I know you got uh, an old, because I ain't got, you know, I got a platinum album, but I'm thinking about doing another one, because the first one went platinum. Mm hmm so yeah, I just did that. Yes, okay. But um, I know you got a computer that you ain't opened in about thirty years. Let me get one of them old beats off of there, man. I don't want none of them new, this new shit. That's too expensive for me. I want man. them old shit. I want them old ones. If, if 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 it is old, if I got something in there, I'm gonna touch it anyway to make it sound new because it's yeah. dated. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, it's like yeah. put a car, put a put a put a Ferrari in the garage for twelve years, fourteen years. Yeah. And then think you're just gonna pull it out and it's just gonna crank up and just drive. Yeah, you gonna have to touch right, it. Up. You gotta do a bunch of shit. Yeah, you know. But it's it's still a Ferrari. I would be honest to say I I gotta. But he be telling me he be, he be telling me to come to the studio all yeah, the time. Come on, pull so up, next man. time, pull next up, time, man, you come pull to up. Town, next we'll go time, we'll fuck with him. I got hundreds of beats, bro. That just that I love. They just sit there. I'm gonna have fun. A quick beat. And I'm uh, still me. I'm still fucking around, bro. Like, yeah. you know, I'm still I'm still around the best motherfucking musicians. You know what I mean? I'm still around the, you know, the ones that are living again. I'm still around the the heat. I'm still on tour. I just, I got Atlanta this year. Two two arena shows in Atlanta. Boom. And he's like you said, 53. That's an incredible feat. Absolutely. I, I'm still passionate about it though. I still wake up sometimes, geeking. I listen to my shit on my phone. and I'll be like, <coughs> I'm dope. 
Very few people can say they have their own sound, though, quick. Bro, I'm Very the, few I'm, people I'm can rare. say they have their own sound. I'm in rarefied air, as they say. You're a lefty. That's what it is. That's all it is. I just, I'm in my right mind. I mean, especially right musically, mind. I'm always thinking about what's next. I don't think about what happened. And if I do sample something, I, I sample something on my new, I sample shit on my new shit, but it's still Curtis Mayfield that nobody's ever heard. You know what I mean? And the way I freaked it is just cold-blooded, Jack. I'm cold-blooded with that mm. shit. All these people, you know, Kanye had to admit that, you know, yeah, I sampled some of your drums before. I'm like, mm. I hear you, bro. He, his whole shit was explosive. He always liked that break off the Dr. Dre's explosive. Poo, poo, cat, poo, poo, cat. So he, that was his whole shit. Every record was, he was, you know, on that West Coast shit. But it wouldn't be no him without me. I'm the, one of the first guys to do the whole, the, be the complete package, the musician, the producer, and the artist. Yeah, it is that weed, huh? We should have gave it to you earlier. Five dinner guests, dead or alive? Say again? Five dinner guests, dead or alive? Um, who I would eat with? I keep saying his name, but yeah, Curtis Mayfield, George Clinton. Um, what's my man's name? Oh, my goodness. Uh, just the 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 rare one is Gil Scott Heron and shit. He was doing all that revolutionary music. Um, Aaliyah, mm. you know, um, and that's the first Aaliyah we got. And Tupac again. Mm. Again, nice. that's dope. Again, we broke bread a lot. Mm. Mm -mm. Uh. One album you can listen to with no uh, no skips, without none not none of your shit. Somebody else's. Uh, no skip records. Uh, the Chronic One, Doggy Style. Um, one who who is that? Who is that? It's not Digital Underground. Um, X Clan. Mm -hmm. To the East Blackwoods. Easily. To the east, Good my brother. Lord, that to fucking the east, record. Y'all don't hear me. My brother to the east. I fuck with Brother J to this day. He's greatest voice in hip hop, easily. Um, Criminal Minded, Boogie Down Productions is a no skipper. Um, uh, Slick Rick's Children's Story is, is dope, kind of all the way through. Um, and if I had to do one more. Hip-hop or R&B? Whatever you want. Because, you know, hip-hop is, you know, hip-hop has its moments of greatness, but um, Marvin Gaye's What's Going On is a fucking great record. Yeah. Cold-blooded. Still prolific to this day. Um, all Luther Vandross's first albums. <laughs> Don't ask me why. Skinny Luther. Um, fat Luther, skinny Luther. Fat, fat Luther. That's the only man that ever starstruck me, bro. I wrote a flight. Really? I, I, the, ironically enough, well, after we did the Madison Square Garden show, I flew home early. Should got me an early flight. And I'm sitting in first class with this guy sitting here in a fucking Versace shirt. Before I even knew where Versace was, his little perm was sticking up and shit. I'm like, fuck is this thing? I'm hanging over like a little bit, you know, whatever. My man gets up to go pee and it's Luther Vandross. And I, oh my God. Like, you were sitting next to him? Yeah. Right in first class, like I was in one A, and he was like in one C in the middle row, mm -hmm. a little bit forward. But I wanted to tell him everything his music meant to me, but the words wouldn't come out. 
Starstruck, bro. Finally mm. met that dude. Um, and um, um, paid in full, Eric mm. B and Rakim. Do you have a favorite? Even Chinese arithmetic. People didn't like that record. I liked it. Did you have do you have do you have a favorite project you've done? Um that I'm super proud of. They all have something magic in them. Uh and not to just keep saying this, but my new record is a no skip. It's like it's just fucking funky. And my tone, I changed my whole tone. Like I don't rap in high pitched voice no more. What you rapping is high voice? No, on this album, I'm just in a and I'm, you know, I'm more like chill. No, I mean like high, like Mine. Oh yeah, high pitched, all no, that no, shit. No, no, no. Oh, yeah, like high, that. like you're high. The high voice, the chill. That's all I'm. Oh asking. yeah, yeah. It ain't just about being high. It's like it's, I'm trying to make that a persona. That's you. It's okay. A thing now, you know. Yeah. Cool now. I didn't. You know, I used to be hyper. Motherfuckers be accusing me of being goofy and shit. Um, if I if I seem goofy, it's because I'm just being happy that I'm here because yeah, I seen too much tragedy. Yeah. That and that's again. my reaction to that shit. Like, on, nigga, man. I can still breathe. I'm here. Like, what you mean? All that. Be mad if you want to. I'm happy. Fuck that. So Life if I is seem good. if I seem overzealous, <laughs> this oh, well. is because I'm here. Mm, mm, mm. Top, top five competencies. Ooh. That's hard. That's hard. Um Compton, huh? Damn. Um I'm a I'm gonna I'm gonna say Ice Cube because of NWA. Um MC eight is mm. dope as fuck on the on the mic. You can't front. You know, we had our little issues. MC8 is the shit. Um, still to this day. And he's on Kendrick's album, which is monumental. The album, hip-hop album has been on the charts longer than any other album. So that's a hell of a comeback. Um, I'm cold-blooded with an ink pen. Mm -hmm. I show off when I show off. No, we know that. Um, King T is a beast. You know, that's one of the records that inspired me to be who I am. is Act of Fool, Capitol Records. Um... And I like YG. He's for the kids. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. He's for the generation, right? You know, generation, what are they, Z? Mm -hmm. You know, I'm an ex-genner. They, they are millennials, right? So he's for them, but I get it. I know why it's hot. Um, yeah. And MC Ren was a beast, too. MC Ren was cold, was Jack. Ren was hard. And I feel like I'm forgetting somebody, but... Pike. You say Kendrick? Uh, Kendrick don't count. Kendrick is, he's on the, he's beyond Compton. Mm. Compton's too small for him. Mm. Yeah. He's on the world stage. And he just so happens to be from Compton, yeah. ironically enough. But yeah, he, he Kendrick could have made it in any state, any city. If y'all know what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. Hope I ain't overdoing it, but he just seemed like he could have just made it anywhere. He just, he, he has this thing that nobody has. Yeah. I'll say Kendrick. Well, Kendrick's number one at this point because he writes he writes shit that you like at any age, kids and us. He got both of them. How you do that? Mm. How you make that last a long time? Mm. And that nigga, the last album was bonkers. That fucking album is sick. You're Mount Rushmore of hip-hop. Top four, in your opinion. Top four of hip-hop. Rap or hip hop? Rap. Um, easily rock him and his prodigal son, Nas. 
Biggie and Tupac. Mm-hmm. You know? <clears throat> Even though Ice Cube is still a fucking beast. Always. Them guys is like, that's Mount Westmore. Mount Rushmore, rather. If you could see one person on our show, who would it be? But, have y'all had too short yet? But you have to help us get your answer on the show. We have. Yeah, y'all we had, had short already? We had, we had M and 40 together. Same time. Oh, yeah, that's fun. <laughs> you know that was a fun show. Fucking. Um, somebody that's in hip-hop or any genre? Whoever you want to see on the show that you can help get on here. Yeah, you heard that part, though, right? What? You got to help them. You got to help us get them. It's got to oh. be someone you know. Okay. But it's got to be somebody that's worth the... Worth the hour. Doctor. <laughs> I missed the hint. That weed, it was the weed, it was the weed. That seven leaves. Y'all tell me who y'all think, who, y- who would y'all like for me to bring? Dr. Dre. Oh, the, the good doctor? Oh, yeah, Dr. Dre, hell yeah. Oh, uh, hell yeah, you I said see, Dr. Dre? I see. Hell yeah. I see Dr. Dre being hella busy. Yeah. Like, I see him being super busy. Um, you know, enjoying his time in the studio again. He's working on a secret project with, with Dog, and they're having mm-hmm. fun. I mean, it's really not a secret. Snoop, Snoop posts it all the time, but mm-hmm. that, the title is the shit. And if it comes off, it's going to be... It's, if When it comes out, it's going to be a motherfucking beast. But when, Speaking of coming out, when's your project coming out? Um, April 5 is my date. My birthday. Um, serious? April 5th. Come on, man. April National 5th. B-Day. Oh, if April that, 5th, if that and if mean, not, you need to get it May 3rd, if I miss that. Third. I got to shoot videos, just did my artwork, cover how many, artwork. Uh, how many songs? I'm going to do 10, just like Detox. I, Dre, I got that from Dre. If you can't get them with 10, you can't get them. But they just got to be the 10, no skips. You know, everything else is filler. But yeah, it's, 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 it's a beast, bro. Um, first single is mm, supposed to be next month. Sept, uh, what is it? March 17. Any features? I didn't really want no features on this. I, I have enough quick. to talk about. I, mean, I got second and none of them doing their thing on there and AMG because them is my brothers. Mm-hmm. But I got them at a high level. Like, what would y'all sound like now? Mm-hmm. You know, I motivated them to get to go in. Uh, but yeah, no real features. I got this. <laughs> well, man, we appreciate your time. We want to make sure you know how important you are to all of us and on, how man. great you are. And, uh, man, it's an honor to call you a friend. You know Come I mean? on, Matt. So, you know you're my guy, bro. Yeah, you gave so. me some of the fun times, bro, like them, damn, that football game. Good old day. If I could have that playback, I would have tackled that little <laughs> nigga out of bounds. I let somebody <laughs> score on me. I let him score. I was trying to get his flag. I should have just popped his ass. But we still won, though. <laughs> yeah, that was a great day, bro. Well, we appreciate you, man. Come on, man. Thank you for your time. Appreciate you. You the man. I'll quick. I'll, I'll see if... Let me see. We gonna make it work. Call Dr. Dre. He said, call Dr. Dre. Well, that's a wrap, man. <laughs> DJ Quick, all the smoke. Great L.A. run, bro. My brother, as we do. You can catch us. Ooh, back to sweaty palms. You can catch this on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm wet. I'm Yo, look, boy, look, you're wet. Look, my hands are not sweaty. Bro, my hands are wet now. Anyway, that's some good ass week. Catch us on Showtime Basketball YouTube and the iHeart platform Black Effects. We'll see y'all next time. Hey.
Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Got my PrevNAR 20 shot. It's a pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. For us wise folks, it helps protect. I'm 19, strong. And asthmatic and at higher risk. Get vaccinated. But but nothing when grandma speaks. Grandson listens. 19 or older with chronic conditions like asthma, diabetes, or chronic heart disease, or 65 plus, you may be at higher risk for pneumococcal pneumonia. Prevnar 20 can help protect you with just one dose. Prevnar 20 is approved for adults to help prevent infections from 20 strains of the bacteria that cause pneumococcal pneumonia. Continued approval may depend on a supportive study. Don't get Prevnar 20 if you've had a severe allergic reaction to the vaccine or its ingredients. Adults with weakened immune systems may have a lower response to the vaccine. Side effects include pain and swelling at the injection site, fatigue, headache, muscle, and joint pain. For full prescribing information, please call 1-855-213-2138 or visit Prevnar20.com. Ask your doctor or pharmacist about getting vaccinated with Prevnar20, even if you've already received another pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. Smart journalism. Fascinating topics. Words that describe CNN's podcast, The Assignment with Audie Cornish. We are revisiting the public school culture wars. What have we learned from the kids who fought against book bans? We really started the club to get students reading these books. Students have an opinion in this fight, too. How has the war over books sparked a backlash to the so-called parents' rights movement? It's not okay what they're doing, and they're being watched. Listen to The Assignment with Audie Cornish. Streaming now on the iHeartRadio app. 